Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to True Devotion to Mary on member-supported Restoration Radio. I am your host, Alexander Klasik, and I am joined by our guest, Father Herman Fleece, professor at Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Brooksville, Florida. Welcome to the show, Father. Hello, Alexander. Nice to be here. Well, we finished St. Louis' great book, True Devotion to Mary, and now it's time to begin our preparations to make the consecration. Now, depending on your particular copy of True Devotion to Mary, the overall scheme and instructions will likely be the same, but some may contain more or less of the recommended content. For instance, when I made the consecration, my particular copy gave me instructions for each week and contained the various prayers. However, it was up to me to go look up the readings in the different books. And those are mostly from the Bible, the Imitation of Christ, and some of St. Louis's other writings. Now, newer versions seem to have a bit more. But for this series, we'll be primarily using Consecration to Mary, and also we will still be using the True Devotion to Mary. Consecration to Mary is quite an amazing compilation of everything you pretty much need in one place, and the readings are worked out into meditations for each day of the preparation period. And the book is available in the True Restoration store, along with a review. Now, Father, these sorts of preparations are quite familiar to Catholic life, whether that be reading about them in sacred scripture, for instance, our Lord's 40 days in the desert in preparation for his public life, or preparations before receiving a sacrament for the first time. It's a sort of refocusing on what's important and detaching ourselves from creatures. Even though this is not a sacrament, we're still making an important step and ultimately hoping to make a change in our lives and conform them completely to this devotion. So what should our mindset be going into these weeks of preparation? Should we be treating this as a sort of retreat? Uh, well, good question. And uh, yes, um, naturally, uh, one wouldn't be able to do a retreat in any strict sense, um, especially being so many days. Uh, but uh, I think one should um, make these days uh, days, so to speak, of special recollection in which we essentially try to keep more silence and uh, uh, we are more careful to avoid dissipation and um, we try to give more time to prayer, certainly to the meditations and all the rest. So I think the, the approach should be like that. And then uh, certainly most people cannot take uh, so many days off of their duties, so they will have to go to work and all the rest. But essentially, as far as lays on ourselves, our free time, we'll use it like with more, more recollection, um, something similar in which you might, uh, people might do on a holiday or like a big feast day that they might do uh, a bit more of a, of a spirit of prayer. So I think that's part of the idea. When we look at the preparation as a whole, we have four week-long phases to prepare ourselves for the big day. However, there's quite a bit of content and we might want to perhaps spend a bit more time on a certain topic. So are these strict rules to be followed or can we adjust how much time we spend on each topic? Uh, well, the saint himself um, likes to point out in this point and, and similar situations that these are meant to be guidance and um, helps. Uh, you might say then suggestions, but they are not meant to be uh, like binding that, you know, one has to do it exactly in this amount of time and, and, and all the rest. But I will say that said, I think one should essentially either follow the, the distribution the same does or some equivalent one, like the one uh, 
which is found in the book we are we are following uh, as the guide. Um, so we have a, a set division, and then I think it's more prudent to follow that division we decided upon carefully with reflection, because otherwise would, there is a risk of essentially changing things more or less by whim, and then um, that can be really not a, very, not a very good idea, especially because we may end up essentially delaying the consecration itself because we fear out we are not ready and whatnot. I think it's best to decide it uh, with some liberty there and then to follow it up uh, rather um, faithfully. So like you were saying, um, we really want to have a mindset, have a plan going forward with this. And it being a four-week-long preparation, it's important to look ahead and to plan for the day that we actually want to make the concentration on so that we can figure out when we need to start the preparations so we end close to that day. So keeping this in mind, and we'll talk about this in our next episode a bit, so that we'll be making an annual renewal of our concentration. What should we be considering when picking a day on which to make it, Father? Should it be a Feast of Our Lady? And should we try to pick a day that we know that we will be able to make it to Mass each year, like a Holy Day of Obligation? Uh, well, I would say... Um I would distinguish. Uh, as far as being a feast of Our Lady, I think, uh, yes, I think that's pretty standard and it's almost, you know, it almost goes without saying, though again, it would be strictly necessary. But um, I think, yes, especially because there are so so many feasts of Our Lady, you know, of all sorts of ranks. And um, so we will find um, more or less um, close to the day we are more or less aiming at a feast of Our Lady. So I think that, that we should aim to that, certainly. Then, as far as the reception of the sacraments, the idea will be that, as far as possible, putting everything together, our, our schedules and, and possibilities, it will be excellent if we can receive the sacraments the very uh, day. Sometimes it might not be possible to some people, at least close to the date of consecration, uh, but even if that's not possible, at least um, during the period, you know, we have a big period of, of many days, it will be very fitting if we can go to the sacraments sometime in the period or at least immediately after the consecration. So basically we try to do our best as far as is possible, but without being, you might say, uh, too demanding or, or, or you know, we're scrupulous about it because sometimes it might be if one puts too many conditions so that it's really perfect in all the details, then we might need to wait even a year. And we don't want that, the, as I said, the perfect be an enemy of the good. So I will say one should sit down with a, with a calendar, figure out something that makes the most sense, and then um, that will be how it should be decided. And then one other question before we look in depth at each week. In the manual we will be using, it denotes the readings as meditations. Although from what I've seen, they're mostly just the text St. Louis recommends. And often they will give several of these meditations or readings um, per day. So is it okay if one just reads them perhaps a bit more thoughtfully than usual, or should we really be trying to treat them as meditations? Yes, uh, I did notice that um, the author presents a lot of material. So I don't think it will be um, expedient for most people to make all of those into a meditation. It will be a lot, time, a lot of time of meditation, which in itself is, is not a bad idea at all. It's actually excellent, but I don't think it will really work. So I think you're right in, in making that, you know, uh, that caution there. Uh, so yes, some can be used basically as sort of spiritual reading, essentially. 
and as you say, in a, in a spirit of prayer, in a meditative way. And then probably the best course will be for most people to essentially select some of those passages or what he calls meditation, because there are actually several, some to say continuous as much as seven or, or four at least anyway. So you might choose the one that you like the most and make a sort of meditation from it. Uh, I think that's the most um, prudent approach. And even with the reading, uh, it's not strictly necessary to read every single word that is presented in the book. Um, but uh, that said, he does present very good material from classics, essentially, the imitation and whatnot. So I think that he has very good readings presented there. So if we now take a look at the first week, our focus is on the renouncement of the world. St. Louis tells us, quote, the first part of the preparation should be employed in casting off the spirit of the world, which is contrary to that of Jesus Christ, unquote. Yes, and here I would say it would be good to recall quickly what is meant by the spirit of the world. So, um, because that's what we want to get rid of. Essentially, the spirit of the world is, um, as some author puts it, to neglect the practical neglect of God and the things of God and having excessive attachment to created things. So if you consider it carefully, most people in, in this world uh, live more for pleasures and satisfactions from creatures than obviously truly serving God. And that will be, you know, the worldly spirit. So um, naturally, this will be one of the greatest obstacles to to holiness and to, to the spirit of this devotion we are trying to cultivate and, and so forth. So it is important to try to uh, get rid of this spirit. And uh, that's part of these uh, previous days of you know, the first step of the preparation it was more negative to uh, get rid of that spirit. And again, the author presents different meditations and reflections you know, from classical um, spiritual books in order to basically bring home this, this truth, you know, the vanity of the world and the importance of salvation and, and, and so forth. So I think he, he has a good, again, good material there. And um, one thing that I would uh, like to read a short passage of St. Louis himself, in which he essentially um, gives us some thoughts on this question of the spirit of the world and the spirit of Christ which I think is, is a good passage. Uh, he says, it's from the book, uh, Love of the Eternal Wisdom. He says, to come to the perfect possession of divine wisdom, uh, we must accept and follow his teaching. We must begin renouncing ourselves and keeping the great commandments of loving God and our neighbor. We must renounce the flesh, the world and its temporal goods. Above all, we must renounce our self-will. To do this, we must humbly pray we must do penance and suffer persecution. For all this, we need the help of divine wisdom who invites us to go to him. Now I will read a little more with your lead because it's actually it's very much to the mm -hmm. point. Um, with his help, we need to not fear, provided we be clean of heart. To succeed, we must persevere and not look back. We must walk in the light and act according to the teachings of divine wisdom. We, and this is important to our point here, we must be vigilant and avoid the maxims of the false prophets. We must not fear what may be done to our body and reputation, but only be solicitous about the kingdom of God, which we can only enter by the narrow gate. Therefore, we must keep in mind the eight Beatitudes 
And we must be thankful to God for having taught us these heavenly truths. And then our author puts precisely the Beatitudes as part of the meditations or spiritual reading of this first step of the preparation uh, to basically remove from our soul the spirit of the world. One of the spiritual exercises he recommends is to practice renunciation. What are some ways that we can go about doing this in our lives, Father? Uh, well, the saint in one of his uh, books reduces this to two points. So he says, he puts it very simply, he says, we must mortify the body and we must mortify the soul. So that basic division. And um, we don't have the time uh, in this show to go through a particular, you know, minute ways in which to do this. But um, I would like to give the words of the saint as far as the the general idea of this twofold um, renouncement, uh, which I think it's, uh, it's very good. So he says, to obtain possession of, his, of this wisdom, we must mortify the body, not only by enduring patiently our bodily ailments and the sufferings which the natural elements bring upon us, but also by freely imposing upon ourselves some penances and mortifications. We may fast, watch before the Blessed Sacrament, talk with God during the silent hours of the night and practice other austerities as exemplified in the lives of holy penitents. Now here I add personally that if, if, a, if a mortification of the body is of, of some weight or uh, notable, one should consult his spiritual director, but if it's prudent, he will approve. And then he speaks, the saint speaks about the mortification uh, of the soul and he says, in order that exterior and voluntary mortification be good, it is necessary that it be accompanied by mortification of the judgment and the will, and by holy obedience. Without this obedience, all exterior mortification is spoiled by self-love, and it often becomes more pleasing to the devil than to God, because of pride, obviously. Hence, no considerable mortification should be undertaken without taking counsel, and here is a, a scripture proof. I, wisdom, dwell in counsel. And then, uh, that's from Proverbs. And then again from Proverbs. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. The prudent man doth all things with counsel. And then the same concludes. These are very, very good thoughts and really apply it to the spiritual life in general. He says, by this holy obedience, we do away with self-love, which spoils everything. By holy obedience the list of our actions become meritorious. It shields us from the illusions of the devil. It makes us conquer our enemies and brings us safely and peacefully as if we were sleeping into the harbor of salvation. So I think that that's a nice quote. And so essentially, as we just saw, the saint says, how do we practice the self-renunciation? Well, we have to mortify not only the body, but also and especially the soul and the will. That's very good advice. That's, that's yes. a very good quote. Yes, it's a very nice quote, yes. Are there any recommended prayers for this week, Father? Uh, yes, uh, I don't think uh, St. Louis gives particular prayers for this um, section, but the author we are following, he does, and um, he recommends to the Veni Creator, to the Holy Ghost, and then the Ave Maristela, uh, to Our Lady, which two prayers St. Louis does recommend uh, elsewhere um, in order to gain the light of the Holy Ghost 
and the help of our ladies. So those are the ones that he proposes, and uh, I think they are very suitable. Moving on to our second week, our second week is dedicated to gaining a knowledge of ourselves. St. Louis says that during this week, those undergoing this preparation should, quote, employ all their prayers and pious actions in asking for a knowledge of themselves and for contrition for their sins, and they should do this in a spirit of humility, unquote. This knowledge of self being how Almighty God sees us and not how our self pride would like to make us believe we are, as the author of our book points out. Yes, that, that is very true. It's a good point. Uh, Self-knowledge and humility are obviously very closely connected. They, they cannot be separated. And uh, so in that sense, it, it makes uh, all the sense that they be dealt with during the same week. Essentially, the goal is to obtain from the Holy Ghost a true knowledge of ourselves. And obviously, this in turn will make us uh, know our true wretchedness and hence ground us on humility. So they go, you might say, uh, hand in hand. And uh, as to prayers uh, for this, um, this section or th these days, the saint uh, writes the following. They should pray our Lord and the Holy Ghost to enlighten them. And for that end, they might use the ejaculations, Lord, that I may see. Or noveri me, which is Latin, the Latin prayer of Saint Augustine, which means Lord Jesus, let me know myself. Or uh, veni Sancte Spiritus, to the Holy Ghost, and they may say daily the Ave Maristella and the Litany of the Holy Ghost. So those are the prayers the saint himself uh, suggests. In some copies, and you find this with other novenas also, the or litanies rather. Um, under the, at, at the top of the litany, it will say, for private use only, such as for the litany of the Holy Ghost in the book, that, um, in the Church of Blessed Mary, at least the copy I have. So what does this mean? Are we allowed to pray it with others, or does it have to be by ourselves? It's actually a, a very good question. Uh, uh, really, the restriction, uh, this was obviously a restriction, right? Private use only. So this restriction applies or excludes is being used at public devotions, which are ordinarily conducted by a priest in a church. Uh, that's the idea. So you can use it in that context, but uh, one does not break this, um, this restriction or this rule if one says it even with many persons in, you might say, what you, you might call like a private setting. It can be your home. It can be in, even in a procession, as long as it's merely a private devotion. Uh, that doesn't break it uh, at all. But this is a good question to, to keep that in mind. It's important. One of the benefits of a preparation like this is the ability to form lifelong habits out of what we practice during these weeks. And the various spiritual exercises provide a great opportunity for this. The one I wanted to focus on is the examination of conscience. To know ourselves truly as we are, this is such an important practice. So just how often should one examine his conscience and what should be focused on during the exam in order to progress spiritually? Well, uh, it's an important point, so um, it's a good question that you make. Um, really, one should do the examination daily. Uh, I mean, this is true regardless of if one is doing the preparation and whatnot. The Christian should do an examination of conscience every day. And uh, once then has to how to do it and all the rest, one has to bear in mind that if one has the habit of doing it daily, as one should, 
then after some time, if one is able to the practice, it will take uh, less and less time to do it because we keep like a closer and a, a record, you might say. And also the time, obviously, that we have to cover in examination is reduced to basically one day. So that will make it also easier. It's more easy to do. So it, will, it becomes shorter, but we will uh, focus and then what we should look at. Um, it also will be, uh, there will be some changes according to the, the advancements in the spiritual life. The first step, obviously, is to fight against mortal sin. So if one falls um, at least now, now and then with some, some frequency into mortal sins, then the first thing will be to make sure that he has not committed a, a grave sin against God. And uh, after some time, if the person keeps advancing a spiritual life, it will start to happen that he does not fall at least with regularity or with frequency in mortal sin. So then the, the, natural, the attention of the soul will naturally turn to venial sin. So the person won't have a consciousness of, of serious sin, but they will look to what venial sins uh, have I committed this time. Uh, so those will be, that will be like a basic division according to, to the stages, to two basic stages of the spiritual life. And then, uh, so that, uh, it is simple. One just has to make a review of the day and see uh, if he has fallen into sin. And then also, uh, one can see also faults and imperfections and imperfections that need to be uprooted. So that will be the, the practice. And again, it should be done in this context of a preparation for the consecration. Naturally, it will be more thorough and more in-depth, so we will use more time and uh, in, in uh, somewhat the spirit of, of, of uh, yes, as, as you mentioned earlier, like a, um, a big conversion or a big step in life, so we will take more reflection. But, uh, but as I said, even out of this context, one should always do it um, as a Christian, one should do an examination every day. And the help with Sal also, um, the book Consecration to Mary gives a, a very, very in-depth examination of conscience for this little bit more thorough period that we're going to be going through. Yes, and I think that's the idea of, of the author is to make like a, almost like a general review of, of one's life, I mean, as regards the spiritual life, in order to try to put everything in order and uh, before we make the big step of the consecration, which, again, it makes sense um, to do it in, in that spirit uh, because it's like the, the consecration itself and then once we have done the first consecration or the consecration proper and then we will uh, renew it uh, in later years then we can do it uh, more simplified and shortened etc because it will be more to regain the spirit and, and revive the, the fire etc., and so forth but this being a, a very important step that's why the, the author essentially wants to cover all the points that uh, might need, need to be addressed. So making this, um, since we're going to be examining it like this, is it worthwhile then to consider making a general confession at this time? That would be, uh, it would be for many persons anyway, uh, a good idea. Um, for a general confession, one should always ask a counsel of a spiritual father because sometimes it might not be um, suitable depending on, on, on several uh, things but in itself it, it would be a time in which at least one could consider it 
especially if one, um, if this consecration is somewhat close to a, you might say, a conversion, uh, which sometimes will happen, uh, then it might be it might be a good idea as as a devotion. Obviously, it won't be required, but it will uh, it will be seen as a way of helping in, you might say starting almost like I say a new life as far as the spiritual life. So yes, I will I will say it's certainly worth uh, to be considered and ask of of a spiritual father. And there's also another important reminder for us under the spiritual exercises listed for this week that we should do them all at the feet of Mary. For it is from her we hope for light to know ourselves, and it is near her that we shall be able to measure the abyss of our miseries without despairing. And that's a quote from uh, the book. So we're putting into practice what we learned earlier to do everything by, with, in, and for Mary. Yes, that's a uh, very nice quote of the book, yes. Because uh, essentially we should try to already start living according to the spirit of this devotion, before the consecration itself, and as you, as you mentioned, doing the things with Our Lady, in Our Lady, and for her. Um, and yes, it makes all the sense, especially I think it's a good insight of the author that if one uh, is going to do, as we spoke, a more thorough examination of conscience and even connected with a general confession, etc., one always has to uh, keep an eye not to fall into any scruples or... or undo and excessive worries and, and, and all the rest. So in that, in that sense, it's very, you might say, it's very uh, to the point to make sure we do that also in the, in the spirit of his devotion, so as to avoid those, uh, those pitfalls. But if we do, then, then it will be fine because we might, yes, see our, all our infidelities and, and sins of our past life and, and, and so forth, but it will be in, a, you might say, a calm, and peaceful spirit that is with humility, but not with with worries or despair of any of any sort. Well, this leads us right into our third week, which focuses to obtain a knowledge of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So we will have spent the past two weeks emptying ourselves of all that is not pleasing to Almighty God, and now we have to fill that empty void, as the book says. And we're going to start filling it this week with the spirit of Our Lady. And to do this, we need to study her interior life and learn from our good mother how to live. So Father, what does St. Louis prescribe for us in this week in order to achieve our goal? Well, I think what I would like to do for, uh, for this uh, is to read uh, the section on this week by the saint. He says, during the second week, they should apply themselves during all their prayers and works each day to know the Blessed Virgin. They should ask this knowledge of the Holy Ghost they should read and meditate what we have said about it. They should recite, as in the first week, the Litany of the Holy Ghost and the Ave Maristella, and in addition, a rosary daily, or if not a whole rosary, at least a chaplet, for the intention of impetrating more knowledge of Mary. So, essentially, what the, as far as prayers, the addition he, he makes here, naturally, will be to say the rosary, and he makes a distinction between the rosary, by which he means the 15 mysteries, and then the what he calls a chaplet, he means the five mysteries. But we will pray in this week a little more, we might say, directly or to Our Lady herself, precisely in order to, to gain a knowledge of her virtues, uh, which is the, really the, the goal of this week.
And in the consecration manual, we find a nice recommendation for meditating on Our Lady's virtues and to do this by meditating on her titles that we find in her litany. Yes, this is very, uh, it's a very nice form of meditation or method. And uh, it is very, um, I would say, very, very standard, even classical. It is also used by St. Alphonsus, for example, that is, we consider a title of the, of the litany. And then we start thinking about the virtues connected to that title. And even sometimes, you know, it's the explicit uh, invocation, like uh, virtue most prudent, okay, and then we can mate it on the prudence of Our Lady, and then that will open the door to meditating on some of the gospel passages in which Our Lady showed her, her prudence and so forth. So I think it's, uh, it's a very, very nice way to meditate, and it's also simple, and especially if we are familiar with the, the titles of the litany. So it's kind of uh, inviting to meditate in that way. It also reminds me of, I remember Bishop Dolan gave a sermon once, I think it was on the first Saturdays in the, um, one of the, the first Saturday devotion to um, meditate on the, the mysteries and to ask our lady to help us understand what she went through during the different mysteries in the rosary. So. Yes, yes, the, uh, yes, it can be connected also and I think, yes, we haven't read um, anything in those lines here, but it certainly can be done, that is to, uh, to contemplate Our Lady in the very mysteries, right, of the Rosary. Even if we are not saying the Rosary formally, obviously we are familiar with, with the mysteries, so we can make like mental prayer or these reflections and of, of sorts with the, with the very mysteries. So I think, yes, that's an excellent idea. Well, that brings us to our fourth and final week of preparation in which we focus on gaining a knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes. Well, as we spoke in the earlier shows, the end of our devotion to Our Lady and of, of our consecration to her is to know and to serve and to love our Lord himself. And uh, so therefore, it, it does make all the sense that after the week of Our Lady, now we have the week in which we see directly at our Lord. As to the prayers recommended, the saint says for this week, they can, uh, with the same saint, he means Saint Augustine, repeat a hundred times a day, Noverim te, Lord, that I might know thee, or Domine ut videam, Lord, that I might see who thou art. Uh, they shall recite, as in the preceding weeks, the litany of the Holy Ghost and the Ave Maristella, and they shall add daily the litany of the holy name of Jesus. So now the saint has the, the litany of the holy name of Jesus to uh, gear the, the prayers, the vocal prayers, more to the person of our Lord. And uh, then he gives those two uh, short ejaculations, the one in which we ask to, to know our Lord just with two words in Latin. So if somebody, by all means, can say it in Latin, or we can say the, the English version, but is we are asking our Lord the knowledge of himself, to know him. And one of the nice additions with the manual that we are using is that it includes St. Louis's work, which is entitled Letter to the Friends of the Cross, as part of the readings. Now, as the author of the manual points out, this wasn't recommended by St. Louis originally, but this is most likely probably because it wasn't even published at that point in time. But it's a really nice addition to the, uh, the preparation period. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, the writings of our saint are, are all full of function, and um, uh, they are very effective, not only in uh, 
giving light to, to, to the mind, to the soul, but also in moving the heart, that is moving the will to conversion and following our Lord. So I think, yes, uh, the author has made very good selections. And uh, this particular book of the Friends of the Cross is, um, is excellent. In fact, uh, with your leave, I would like to read a section that is very much to the purpose of knowing our Lord, which is the goal of this week. Uh, it's speaking about the cross in particular, but obviously we cannot know our Lord deeply without knowledge of the cross. And so the saint says, you can and even should ask for the wisdom of the cross, uh, that experimental knowledge of the truth, which in the light of faith shows us the deepest mysteries, among others, the mystery of the cross. But this can be had only by dint of heart toil, profound humiliation and fervent prayer. If you need that perfect spirit, which enables us to uh, bear the heaviest crosses with courage, that sweet, kindly spirit, which enable, enables us to relish in the higher part of the soul things that are bitter and repulsive, that wholesome, upright spirit, which seeks God and God alone, that all-embracing knowledge of the cross, briefly, that infinite treasure which gives the soul and that knows how to make good use of it, a share in the friendship of God, ask for this wisdom. Ask for it, for it constantly, fervently, without hesitation or fear of not obtaining it. You will certainly obtain it and then see clearly, in the light of your own experience, how it is possible to desire, seek and relish the cross. So very nice quote and... Uh, it is much, much geared to the, the knowledge of our Lord, our Lord, in this case, His Holy Cross, but we are asking for that uh, experimental knowledge or that wisdom. That's a, a very beautiful quote. That brings us to the end of our episode. Was there anything else you'd like to add in summary before we close out our episode, Father? Uh, no, I think uh, that uh, the last quote we, we read is, is very good. It has a lot of thoughts at which, uh, with which we could uh, close this episode. Well, Father, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you again next time as we continue this series. May God bless you. Thank you very much. God bless you, too.